ان الحمد لله يا رب لك الحمد كما ينبغي لجلال وجهك ولعظيم سلطانك وقل الحمد لله سيريكم اياته نحمده ونستعينه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له اذا قضى امرا فانما يقول له كن فيكون والله غالب على امره ولكن اكثر الناس لا يعلمون واشهد ان سيدنا ونبينا وعزيزنا محمد صلى الله عليه واله وسلم عبد الله ورسوله ارسل على فتره من الرسل وقله من العلم وضلاله في الناس من يطع الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا مضل له ومن يعص الله ورسوله واولي الامر من المؤمنين فلا هادي له رفعت الاقلام وجفت الصحف اما بعد dear committed muslims brothers and sisters as you know we are living now very critical days a climax of sorts as we approach the month of ramadan as we approach a very significant shift in policies towards the holy land or some would say the holy lands and as we are approaching the anniversary of an-nakba the day in which international thieves colonized the holy land We spoke previously that we are not reactionary. Many Muslims something happens and then they react to it. Someone is put in jail, they react to it. 
Some organization goes in the wrong direction, they react to it. Some war erupts, they react to it. It's almost always a mentality and an attitude of reaction. And it's high time we extricated ourselves from that psychology of reaction and had enough confidence in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and in our humble relationship with Allah jalla wa'ala that we are no longer the types who react and the first step in that direction is to solidify our relationship with our almighty creator that's the first step in the right direction where no one is going to come and threaten us with some worldly developments because we are post-worldly subjects of Allah so in our previous khutbas in the past few weeks or so we tried as much as possible to prepare ourselves and we will continue to do that for what seems to be for any Muslim who has opened his eyes and activated his mind to see that something big is in the offing something really big is in the offing something on the range of a catastrophic military development in the Holy Land and around the Holy Land so for us to be guided in these types of events we need the information that has come to us from Allah Azza wa Jal and so we took the first ayah from Surah Al-Isra Subhana Alladhi Asra Bi'abdihi Layla we explained these hopefully in a way that will unshackle our psychology and we will continue with these ayat because this is what happens. Yawm al-Quds is approaching, the last Jumu'ah in Ramadan, and then the Jumu'ah before that, or the week or two before that, everyone goes into a frenzy of what can we do and how we should go about doing it and all of these other things. Once again, a type of reactionary attitude. Instead of being principled and consider most of the year the days of Quds, especially if you can't, and some of us are human beings and vulnerable to our weaknesses. Okay, dedicate the Jumu'ah of the week to say that you understand what is going on. Whether you, are, you belong to a minority, whatever that minority may be, or whether you come from a broken background, whatever that background may have been, 
Can't you at least express yourself in the face of those who have taken away all the facilities in your life that gave you the status that has been imposed upon you? And it all culminates in the occupation of the Holy Land North and the Holy Land South. To be more specific, in Palestine and in Arabia. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, here we are in formation to try to understand the, in, the valuable and timely information that Allah subhanahu is offering us. He says, Subhanal Levi Asra Biabdihi Layla Minal Masjidil Harami Ilal Masjidil Akosa. Now this in this khutbah we will try as faithfully as possible to convey some of the meanings that are embedded in this ayah. We did so with Subhanallahi Asra bi Abdihi Layla. Uniquely exalted is he who has taken his subject honorably on a night journey. That we explained. Now we have to try to explain min al-masjid al-harami ila al-masjid al-aqsa from the inviolable or sanctified masjid that's the one in Mecca to al-masjid al-aqsa to the remote masjid and that's the one that is in al-quds jerusalem Al-Masjid Al-Haram Some of you have been to Hajj And Allah Has Given you the rewards Thereof You've been to Al-Masjid Al-Haram But how many who have been to Al-Masjid Al-Haram A Masjid, the Kaaba itself And its surroundings how many have gained the practical and pertinent information that is attached to Al-Masjid Al-Haram? Now, hopefully this information can liberate some of us. Al-Masjid Al-Haram According to the literature, the Islamic literature that we have, and skipping all the details therein, Al-Masjid Al-Haram was there since the beginning of time. It is the only masjid in the world the only masjid in the world that Allah Jalla Jalaluh designated 
as the place to be a masjid. All other masajid in the world were not like that. With the, if we wanted to make room for other information, with the possible exception of al-masjid al-aqsa. But most of the information we have, it's only al-masjid al-haram in which Allah said, this is my masjid, this is my place. This masjid was not deemed a masjid by Allah, the one that we are prohibited from entering, nor is any other masjid here, nor is any other masjid anywhere in the world. It's only that one. Now, some individuals will come and say, if that is the case, then if when we read some of the ayat in the Quran, we understand Ibrahim, Prophet Ibrahim to have built that masjid. Prophet Ibrahim rededicated that place as that masjid. He didn't found it from scratch. The ayah number 26 in Surah Al-Hajj وَإِذْ بَوَّأْنَا لِإِبْرَاهِيمَ مَكَانَ الْبَيْتِ أَنْ لَا تُشْرِكْ بِشَيْئًا Now, a masjid, the word masjid is related to the word sajada and the obvious and most popular translation of the word is to prostrate. The more healthy understanding of the word is to bow down in respect, in reverence. A place where that reverence is performed is called a masjid. The Prophet of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa alihi wa sallam says, جُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا the earth has been rendered for me a place of reverence towards Allah and a place of tahara. Now, are we the only ones, we meaning the Muslims, are the Muslims the only ones who have this concept of sujood to them? Question here is, those who preceded us from people of scripture before us, do they have this sujood in their religion? Once again, we're not going to fumble around. This scholar said that, and that scholar said the other thing. We'll go to Allah's book, and extract the answer from there. As far as Bani Israel is concerned, 
They have a lot of history in the Quran for us to learn from and not to become duplicate Bani Israelis under some type of other forms of rituals. وَرَفَعْنَا فَوْقَهُمُ الطُّورَ بِمِيثَاقِهِمْ وَقُلْنَا لَهُمْ أُدْخُلُوا الْبَابَ سُجَّدًا سُجَّدًا to enter into a particular gate in their history Allah told them to do that with reverence with sujood to Allah if they lost this characteristic in their history and in their understanding of their scripture and prophets, that's their problem. But we know this is a firm description of Allah's subjects throughout time. Now, we come to Isa ibn Maryam and Maryam and let's say Christianity. Do they have this concept you go to churches you go to synagogues do they have this bowing down to allah in reverence as a sujood do they have it there an ayah in the quran tells us if they didn't lose the information and the facts about who they were they would have still had it but that's history now ya maryamu اُقْنُتِي لِرَبِّكِ وَاسْجُدِي وَارْكَعِي مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ Not only do they have sujood, they have also ruku'ah. Ayah 43 in Surah Ali Imran. We are honored, and we say this with humility and meekness, we are honored that at least when it comes to the reverence of Allah, we still have at least the formality of it. The spirit, it's another thing. I've been talking about this for what seems like decades now. But at least the formality of it, we still preserve it. Al-Masjid Al-Haram This is, we're still in the ayah Subhanal, the first ayah in Surah Al-Isra Subhanal ladhi asra bi'abdihi layla Min al-Masjid Al-Haram Ila al-Masjid Al-Aqsa Al-Masjid Al-Haram To go into the minds of Those who fermented the meanings of the Qur'an and the Prophet's teachings in them. Al-Masjid al-Haram, even though it's a structure, the Kaaba, and the area, the immediate area around it, also extends skywards. So let's say if you're praying on a, in a skyscraper, 50 stories elevation upwards are you going to pray down towards al-masjid al-haram the kaaba or is it enough just to 
pray towards its direction. And the answer from the fiqhi literature that we have is just enough to pray towards its direction. That goes upwards as far as al-Masjid al-Haram is concerned and it goes downwards. So in this sense, we're flooded with information that wants to bury our relevant experiences. But let's visit a piece of that information. When Muslims were not pilots, when airplanes were first flying, well, we're looking back, what, 70, 80, maybe 90 years, whenever it was, it was prohibited to have non-Muslims fly over Mecca. I'm not here to argue, and there is a, a very small fractional opinion that says it's permissible for non-Muslims to fly over Mecca. But if we take the consensus, it's not permissible for them to do that. Of course, later on when Muslims became pilots, okay, they're flying over Mecca or Medina or whatever, going and coming. That is not a problem. As we said in a previous khutbah, India now is flying over Saudi Arabia to Israel. And the Minister of Transportation in Israel just this week, yesterday or today, in today's news, he said he's confident that the Israeli airlines will be able to fly over Saudi Arabia. Now who is here, not us, personally, but who is here among the Muslims, especially the organizations and associations and lobbies and whatnot, who have resources and all of this, who, who is there who's going to trace, why are you doing this? Who's doing this? Where are these airplanes flying exactly? Can you explain to us? Mecca doesn't belong to you. Mecca is not your personal property. But we have surrendered that to them. They can do whatever they want. And what helps them out in that regard is we have Jumu'ahs that are sterile. That's right, our Jumu'ahs, the khutbahs and all of this, no information that touches on reality. Information that goes into the imagination part of our comprehension. Nothing that goes to what is our responsibility? What has to be done? Where are we wrong? How can we correct ourselves? Nothing of that uh, nature. Min al-Masjid al-Aqsa The Prophet went from al-Masjid al-Aqsa from al-Masjid al-Haram to al-Masjid al-Aqsa الذي باركنا حوله The environs of which we have blessed. Now, what is the meaning of barakah? 
The simple meaning of barakah is you get more than what you calculate or anticipate. A good example of that is you have a car. The car gives you 30 miles per gallon of gasoline. You put gasoline in the car and you realize it went 50 miles. You say that gasoline had barakah in it. Another example, you have food that can only feed four or five individuals. Then you have 10 or 15 individuals coming over and that amount of food was enough to satisfy 10 or 15 individuals instead of three or four individuals. You say this has this food has barakah in it. Allah is saying concerning this geography of the Holy Land, Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, Al-Ladhi Barakna Hawla. We've made its surrounding territories territories of barakah. And this barakah we will not understand as long as we continue to withdraw ourselves from our God-given responsibilities, as has been the case so far by most of us. It's not, we're not going to see it. We're not going to understand what Allah's, I mean, we can take the information that's available to us. They just, prospectors have gone looking for natural resources in those areas. And we know the petroleum that's all around the place. And now they discovered what happens to be, according to some, the largest reserve of gas and petroleum in the Mediterranean west of Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa, the Holy Land, Palestine. But is it strictly and only in materialistic terms that this barakah is attached to the Holy Land or is it also in the meaning of belonging to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا This is the ayah, once again, at the beginning of Surah Al-Isra or Bani Isra'il. سُبْحَانَ الَّذِي أَسْرَى بِعَبْدِهِ لَيْلًا مِنَ الْمَسْجِدِ الْحَرَامِ إِلَى الْمَسْجِدِ الْأَقْصَى الَّذِي بَارَكْنَا حَوْلَهُ لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا So that we, and this is in reference to Allah, جَلَّ شَأْنُهُ Show him, and that's in reference to his beloved Prophet, may Allah's peace and blessings be upon him and his, لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا Now, as we've said before, the word ayah has three different meanings as it occurs in the context of the Qur'an. The first, and all of these meanings have to do with impossibilities. وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ اللَّيْلُ وَالنَّهَارُ وَالشَّمْسُ وَالْقَمَرُ Of Allah's ayat is the day and the night and the sun and the moon. 
that's just one ayah telling us the creational aspect of the material existence is the creation of Allah. Can you do it? Can I create? Can you? Can anyone? Can anyone create anything? A scintilla, not galaxies, a scintilla. Can anyone create an iota? No, it's an impossibility. That impossibility is an ayah. Another impossibility in the discourse of the Qur'an is what is referred to as miracles. That's an impossibility. How can you how can someone be thrown into fire and not be incinerated? It happened. That's an ayah, not from man, it's an ayah from Allah. How does someone bring someone back from the dead? A man buried in his grave for so long, a prophet comes and he resuscitates him. That's an ayah. That's an impossibility. Another ayah is the ayat of the Qur'an, the verses of the Qur'an. No one can construct a sentence that stands on the same par with an ayah in the Qur'an. That's an impossibility. So Allah subhanahu is saying to his saying about this journey from Mecca to Al-Quds to heaven, لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا So that we may show him of our impossibilities. Impossibilities vis-a-vis man, not impossibility vis-a-vis Allah. لِنُرِيَهُ مِنْ آيَاتِنَا One of those impossibilities is the Prophet of Allah led the prayers and behind him were all of Allah's anbiya, prophets and apostles. The last prophet led all of the prophets in prayer. That's an ayah from Allah. Someone will ask, how can this be? If we were to apply our physical, material laws and observations, we'd say, that doesn't make sense. Forget about that. I'm not accepting that. Well, here is where you prove whether you are with Allah and what He does, or you are with yourself and this world and what it is incapable of doing. And finally, well, this all, always comes up, almost on many occasions when the subject matter is Al-Quds and Palestine and these issues, those who are opposite us on these issues, they say, well, look at the Muslims. Al-Quds is not mentioned once in their holy book. I'm sure you've heard this or read it many times. And look at the Bible and look at the Judeo-Christian religions and history and all of this and you will see reference to Jerusalem many many times that's not how we approach the subject the subject is if that was the case then the Quran is an, a Jewish book it's not an Islamic book 
or the Quran is a Christian book and it is not an Islamic book. Why? Because if we look at the number of times Musa السلام, was mentioned in the Quran, it's about 136 times in the Quran. If we take a look at the number of times Isa السلام, was mentioned in the Quran, it's about 25 times. But when you take a look at the number of times that the name in reference to the last prophet Muhammad is mentioned in the Quran, it's four times. And then there's one reference to him as Ahmad. So if we had Ahmad once to Muhammad four times, that's five times. So the Quran is not an Islam, according to the way they think, the Quran is not an Islamic book. And all of us and any one of us know how fallacious that is. Aqulu qawli hadha wa astaghfiru allaha li wa lakum udu'uhu subhanah wa antum ala yaqeenin bil ijabah wa tubu ila allah إن الله تواب رحيم الحمد لله الذي هدى وصلى الله وسلم على سيدنا المصطفى وعلى آله وصحبه أولنها والتقى Dear committed Muslims The guidance that has come to us from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a guidance that permeates our lives It's not a fairy tale it's not some psychological session. It's something that accompanies us in everything we do and in everything that others want to do to us. And it's about time that we opened up our eyes with the guidance that Allah Tabaraka wa ta'ala has given us and see what is happening to the land of Al-Masjid Al-Haram and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa in today's geopolitical terms the Arabian Peninsula and the Levant those nation states now called Palestine, Jordan, Syria, and Lebanon. What's happening there? Why are we are not supposed to think? We're not supposed to understand when Allah and His Prophet, when they speak to us about these issues, we are not. We're supposed to put our mind in the freezer. 
there, there are policies in progress that want to build hundreds of cinemas in Saudi Arabia. We're not against the technology of having cinemas. There's nothing wrong with that technology. There's something terribly wrong with the contents that are shown on the large screen. There's something terribly, if not sinfully, wrong with those contents. And here we have the justification has nothing to do with Islam and the Quran and the Prophet for embarking on a policy that will have hundreds of cinemas in the birthland of the Prophet and of Islam. They say it's going to bring 30,000 jobs to those who don't have jobs in Saudi Arabia. Is that the only way you can create jobs? By building cinemas? Can't you build factories and create jobs? Who do you think we are? We're dumb? That you want to fool us? Hiding behind the unemployment level and bringing it down by building cinemas? This MBS, the crown prince, the future king, he says he wants to put an end to the flight of Saudi youth from Arabia to the West. He wants to put an end to that. How do you put an end to that? By the entertainment industry? A lot of money now is going into the entertainment industry. Many Saudis go to Bahrain. They built a bridge between Saudi Arabia and Bahrain. And many Saudis, they go to Bahrain not only to watch movies, but to have sex. So what are you doing with your new policy? You're making Saudi Arabia a large Bahrain. And no one is supposed to think of this. There's an ayah that applies to such policies. وَتَرَى الَّذِينَ فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ مَرَضٌ يُسَارِعُونَ فِيهِمْ يَقُولُونَ نَخْشَى أَن تُصِيبَنَا دَائِرَةٌ And you'll see those who have disease in their hearts rushing to gain the favor of in today's world, the Zionists and the imperialists. And what's their excuse? The ayah tells us. It displays their true nature and character. We're afraid that times are going to turn against us. That's where they are. This crown prince Look, Muslims, we're approaching Ramadan. We should be sensitive to the issues of poverty and hunger. He comes over here for three weeks and spends $250 million on his public relations campaigns. There's something called Zakat al-Rikaz. 
Some Muslim scholars refer to it as the absent zakah, as zakah al-mughayyaba. All of this money belongs in that zakah treasury. But no, he takes the freedom to do with it whatever he wants. And I wish he'd stop there. His vices and his sins are sky high. He says, listen to this, the Palestinians for six weeks, they have been going peacefully to the frontier line that divides them from the Israeli colonization in Gaza. And close to 50 of them have been killed. Thousands of them have been wounded. In this context, you'd think someone has a little common sense. But this crown prince lacks even minimal amount of common sense. He says in this context, it's about time the Palestinians accept offers and agree to come to the negotiating table or they should shut up and stop complaining. These are his words. Where is this? They have ulama, they have scholars there to say to him, you should shut up. Where are the ayat in the Quran about solidarity and brotherhood with other Muslims? Oh, he wants to run away from that. And he wants to get away with it. And because these types of Islamic centers and masajid, they dumb people down, they think they can get away with it. And then we have the United Arab Emirates and Al-Bahrain participating in a motorcycle or bicycle competition in Israel. This is only the beginning. This is the, they begin, remember, China and the United States, there was a ping pong match that brought them together. Well, now there's sports events as the first step to bring together the Zionist rulers in the Holy Land with the pro-Zionist rulers in the other Holy Land. Sudan, that sent its troops to fight in Yemen, is saying, no, now we want to reconsider all of this. Budgets are tight now. There's not much money to go around. Sudan was bought to go and fight in Yemen. And after the casualties, and after the internal disquiet with their involvement in Yemen, saying, no, no, we want to reconsider all of this. And they shut down 13 of their diplomatic missions around the world. At a time like this, look at how governments interfere with Muslims even in the masjid. In Jordan, it was made official this week that the number of raka'at in Salat al-Taraweeh should be 20. Because many masajid, they used to pray eight. And both of them, we're not going to get here. We never get involved 
in fiqhi differences of opinion. All of them are equally valid. But why is it a government coming and imposing inside the masjid that you should pray 20 rakahs for your taraweeh prayers? Should we shut our eyes and close our ears and make believe there's no hostile policies that are going to begin here in Washington towards the Muslim East? The person at the State Department, the person head of national security, and head of CIA. All of these are known for their animus towards the Muslims. They're going to kill us. And we, we, we say in our message, no, shh, don't say anything about this. They're going to kill us. Not one or two or ten or twenty. In the hundreds of thousands, if not millions. And all of this began during the first neoconservative control of policies in the United States. They said this is a war against terror by which they meant this is a war against Muslims. They designated six or seven or eight countries in the world as being evil and terroristic and these other things. All of them are Muslim countries except for North Korea. They, they've had in progress now committees that are going around in Muslim countries and taking away certain syllabi from the educational curriculums or curricula in these countries. What is, mind your own business. Of course, we need a lot of improvement, but we can improve it ourselves. We don't need someone to come and tell us, you can't teach this ayah in your school, or you have to omit this hadith from your books. 300 influential, predominant French personalities signed on a complaint or a declaration, whatever it was, that the Qur'an, that there should be certain ayat in the Qur'an that should be omitted. What khutzbah? Has there ever been any Muslim anywhere who said certain verses from the Bible should be omitted? Look at the difference. Who's, who's against equality? Who's against justice? Who's against racism? Who's against exploitation? Is it the Muslims? Are we Muslims? You go to our sources, our references, the Quran and the Prophet. Is there anything in there that makes Islam an enemy of social justice? Is there anything? And the answer is a solid no. But we have you see, look at the world around you. Who is pro-racism? Look at how racism is making a comeback. Inequality is making a comeback. 
the military-industrial complex is making a comeback. Wars are being planned. Are Muslims doing all of this? Who is doing all of this? I want to take a quote from the Pope himself. July 7th, 2015, in the city of Santa Cruz in Bolivia, he said, We are in need of change. Rather, we want change. And I insist that we say it without fear and with the loudest voice. We want real change in the structure of the global system. The current system is no longer tolerable. We need to change the system at the international level. The relationships between the peoples of the world in the age of globalism needs international solutions. They gave us this term, the clash of civilizations. And they said 13, 15 years ago that this is going to be a long war. And it's turning out to be an extended one indeed. They think we are out to Islamicize the geography and the history of the world. All we are out to do is to explain to them Allah's guidance and direction. And that's how they interpret it. Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham, said, God put Trump in office. This is a religious person. God put Trump. Who's Trump? Has he ever asked himself, who is this person? Morally, socially, in his family, in his country. There is now discussions going on between Saudi Arabia and the Vatican to begin to build churches in Arabia. There's nothing wrong with devout Christians in Arabia praying in their own churches. That's the way it's supposed to be. They said there's between three and four million Christians in Saudi Arabia. Three to four million Christians in Saudi Arabia, they don't have a church. Why is it that all of these military bases are in the Arabian Peninsula and there are no churches? Something is wrong. And this reminds me of a statement by Abdul Hamid ibn Badis, the Algerian Mujahid. He said, if France was to tell me to say la ilaha illallah i would not say it that's a person who understood the nature 
of the differences between what they are doing and what they are about and what we should be doing and what we are about. Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan warzuqna tiba'ah wa arina al-batila batilan warzuqna ijtinabah wa la taj'alhu multabisan alayna waj'alna lilmuttaqina imama Rabbana la tu'akhidna in nasina aw akhtakna ربنا ولا تحمل علينا إصرا كما حملته على الذين من قبلنا ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا طاقة لنا به واعف عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على محمد وآل محمد وصل وسلم وبارك على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم في العالمين إنك حميد مجيد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر ومن أظلم ممن منع مساجد الله أن يذكر فيها اسمه وسعى في خرابها أولئك ما كان لهم أن يدخلوها إلا خائفين لهم في الدنيا خزي ولهم في الآخرة عذاب عظيم إن الله يأمركم أن تؤدوا الأمانات إلى أهلها وإذا حكمتم بين الناس أن تحكموا بالعدل إن الله نعم يعظكم به إن الله كان سميعا بصيرا ولذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون وأقم الصلاة أشهد أن محمد رسول الله حي على الصلاة حي على الفلاح قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر